Hi, I'm Lucy Adams from Disruptive HR. Welcome to one of our podcast series where you'll hear from HR practitioners who are genuinely doing things differently. If you're looking to change your HR practices, then why not check out the Disruptive HR Club? It's got tons of videos, webinars and downloadable guides that will give you all the ideas and practical help you'll need. Check it out at www.disruptivehr.club. So hello and welcome to another podcast from Disruptive HR, where we get to talk to HR practitioners who are doing things differently, changing things up. And today I am really delighted to talk to Catherine Robinson and your role is People Director at NHS Blood and Transplant. Have I got it right this time? That is right, yes, (laughs) that is right. Oh, it's really lovely to see you, albeit virtually, because we're in lockdown at the moment, aren't we? So we're in our respective uh, home offices. Yeah. How has it been? Because you are really in the middle of it, aren't you? Mm. You know, you are obviously part of that, you know, massive NHS response to COVID. How is, I mean, it's kind of a banal question, but how has it been for you? What's your Mm. lockdown experience been like? I think uh, the experience has been one that's been of challenge, but, um, you know, I think that's the same for everyone, both from a personal point of view and a work point of view, because obviously it's just change at home and change at work. I think one thing we do well as an organisation is when there's a crisis, we pull together. So I I didn't have any worries about that, but I think it was the real unknown. So for us, it was about this is unprecedented. We didn't know what would happen we knew that there was lots of support for the wider NHS, but we're a, we're a part of the NHS that people don't often think about in terms of the five and a half thousand people we have around the country collecting blood, um, talking to bereaved families about organ donation, manufacturing, laboratories across the country. So the whole elements of isolation for people, we had no idea how many people would isolate. Our demographic of our organisation meant that we assumed quite a number of people would go into isolation to either protect a family member or themselves. And also there was a pull from the wider NHS because we've got a lot of specialist staff who were saying, could they come and work? Oh, what, uh, to actually us. redeploy them yeah, um, and, on the front line? Type yeah, thing. but yeah. obviously the first and foremost for us was about the safe supply of blood and blood products. Um, another challenge for us was around organ donation because obviously the requirement for um, ICU beds and for that to be prioritised was really tricky. We quickly had to put in place things around social distancing because if you go to give blood on session, I mean, our first challenge was, the message was let's go into isolation and we were saying but please come and give blood because that's essential for oh, us to God. keep the NHS going we need people to give blood so we immediately had to change the session environment so that meant PPE for our staff two meters apart we had to implement new processes on session train people to do that very quickly so I think it, it was one of those where there were some days where you stopped and thought I just the, the pace of having to think about everything yeah. in a different way is tricky And also there was, I think the biggest difference for me was around, we're going to have to go with what we know. Often we'll sort of look for the evidence, what's the reading, what's what's a benchmark, whereas we just had to say, do you know what, with the information we've got available at this point, this is what's going to be the best thing to do. So, and I think the key thing with all of this is trying to manage everyone's anxiety. You know, people are worried about themselves, their families, 
whilst always really conscious that they want to deliver our sort of life-saving services but how can yeah. we manage their anxiety that they're going through but make sure that they feel assured and safe at work and we're looking after everyone's well-being as well as our own because even as an executive team we sat back one day and said there is just no way we can keep this pace we cannot afford for us all to just you know burn and out how, are you, how are you coping with that with the senior team on a personal level and and are you are you able to take some some downtime or have you have you sort of brought in stuff to look after each other's well-being how are you coping with that yeah so one thing that we'd introduced a little while ago was check-ins at our executive team meetings so we always have a good proportion of our first part of our meeting talking about how we're arriving at the meeting both personally and you know head heart and gut we talk about is so <laughs> and sometimes that actually that's really connected us you know prior to us going into lockdown but since we've been in lockdown it's been even more important because you know we have said there's been days where we've said Do you know what? I'm just really exhausted today or you know I just need to get some sleep yeah. I think we've all recognized it in each other we've said look you know you need to be off tomorrow you just have a day and do not contact you know we've got really brilliant teams that can run these you know run this it yeah. doesn't need us to be here and I think all of us have been talking about as much as there are many downsides of the situation we're in a number of us have talked about, you know, the fact that we get up, let's, we get up early in the morning and, and I've gone for a long walk, mm. you know, and, and really cleared my mind before I've started the day. Now, we never would have done that because we were traveling no. all over the country. The pace was fast. So I think the, the biggest reflection is that the way we've tried to manage it is just to create, we've had more time to actually focus on trying to look after ourselves a bit. And the other thing we've done is we have, we, we have all a range of, you know, coaching and EAP services and all that but what we've done is we've just gone out to people and said look we recognize you're having a really tough time we'll we'll get someone to ring and talk to you so from the executive the senior team to everyone in the organization we've said here's how you can access we've identified people who we know are working and when we first approached them they said I'm just too busy and we've said no no you really need to just take an hour that's all we're asking for we just need to check in with you yeah and we've also rang and Luckily, has that gone down well then as people started to respond to that? It has. People have just said, you know, thanks so much for ringing. And, and it's all... very human, isn't it? It's not yeah. the big EAP process. No. It's no. a human reaching out to another human being and just saying, how are you? Yeah, that's all we've done. And the other thing we were really conscious of was people who had gone to self-isolation at home and wouldn't be hearing from the organisation who we knew were feeling really torn about, I really need to isolate because I'm high risk but I know what my colleagues are having to go through. Yeah, so this terrible guilt. Yeah, and fortunately, because we've got a central HR direct service, you know, one-stop shop, what, how, what we've been able to do is where their calls have lowered because people are doing other things at the moment, we've used our central HR service to just ring people up at home and say, how are you doing? We know you've been isolating for a few weeks. Yeah. How are you looking after yourself? Anything yeah. we can be doing for you, which that has been received really, really well. And, and people have wanted to get involved. So there's there's areas where we've stopped work. And again, the HR team set up a redeployment service in like, I mean, I've been absolutely amazed. I always would say I've got a great team, but yeah, you, know, you have got a great they team. They pulled it yeah. out of the bag, I have to say. <laughs> you know, that, that I said, Oh, can we do this? Um, we need to redeploy people. How are we going to do it? And within a week they came out and said, We've smashed that. Right. We've we filled 50% of the triage on session because we needed someone on session asking questions to add another yeah. layer of protection. Yeah. You know, and they did it. 
So, I mean, you talked about, you know, we, we, we always respond well in a crisis. And I know from when I worked in the rail industry, you know, a derailment would 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 bring out these amazing qualities in yeah. in in the in in the in the guys on the ground that perhaps when it was business as usual the issue you know the collaboration or the pace perhaps wasn't there in is as much in evidence and, and you kind of think how can we bottle what we're seeing here in a crisis and take mm. it forward what are the things that you're seeing either in hr or in the leaders that you think Actually, I don't want us to return to normal. Mm. I would hope that we can continue to do X, Y, Z. Have you seen anything yeah. like that? Yeah, I mean, there are there's so many examples. So just <laughs> as a couple, um, one is there's some training programs for some of our frontline staff that often take a quite a period of weeks, so say six weeks. And you may have seen that we are involved in a trial for convalescent plasma, which is about taking plasma and hoping that those antibodies, when yeah. transfused into an acutely ill patient, will make them recover quicker and recover, yeah. more yeah. importantly. So that trial was set up in a matter of weeks, which normally would take a long time. And what, then we Typically, were, how long would a trial take? 18 months to get set oh, up. Oh, really? So <laughs> 18 months to about six weeks? Yeah, you know, setting a trial up in two weeks to start. But obviously, if the trial is successful, we need to ramp up that collection of that plasma because we want to, you know, we want to be able to provide that for as many patients as possible and so that for us from a people point of view is that we needed to find 300 staff within you know two weeks job ready and the training normally takes six weeks just as an example so um so just one, mathematically that's impossible <laughs> it, it, it was one of those where I did sit with my head in my hand for a bit and do the here and now let's just think about this bit of mindfulness channeling yeah, that yeah yeah and then I thought you know what how are we going to do this so we made lots of phone calls we talked to um the cabinet office about people who'd been furloughed we talked to NHS professionals used all our networks and I and I the, the, within a week I put the phone down and I said to Shane my deputy do you know I think we're going to pull this off <laughs> I don't know how we've done it, but I think we might have enough staff. So, um, but the training, uh, you know, six weeks. So the thing I've really noticed is we've tried to look at that in a number of different ways before, but because of necessity, you know, absolutely safety is still paramount, but we've moved to digital. So I've got a digital team who have moved some of that online. That means we can get people to look at that before they arrive. We've just thought about it in a totally different way. So I think one key example for me is how we are, just condensing that, but also giving people a much better onboarding experience. So our chief, we've designed a web page for people who are interested. We've got the chief exec talking, you know, a video to them. Yeah. We've given them welcome bags. We've, you know, it's just everything is just the things I was really hoping for in the future have arrived yeah. in three weeks. And, um, and, and that kind of mindset that, you know, that you actually it is doable yeah um, you can retain same safety levels but you can do it quicker um, about being job ready that that actually leaders might have resisted in yeah. the past as you say because of necessity so yeah. why would you go back exactly and I think that the trick for us now from a people directorate is how can we work with people to make sure that because it'll be so easy to slide back yeah and so I, something that I'm really thinking about at the moment is how do we embrace that and build yeah. on it um, and in the yeah and I think there's two schools of thought here I think there's one school of thought which says things will never return to normal mm -hmm. and there's another school of thought which says actually human beings being what they are will 
just reset mm. in the previous mold. And I mm. think there's a lot of truth in that. And I think one of the things that, that we're advocating doing is as, as painful as it might seem when how you're knowing how busy you are, but is actually getting leaders to reflect now whilst mm. they're in the middle of it, not big long sessions and wash ups, yeah. review sessions at the end, but just that kind of small reflections about what have you learned about your leadership style, about the art of the possible, about anything that surprised you. So you're getting them to almost kind of recalibrate as they go along, because I think that can help rather than we all know we'll do the big review yeah. session at the end or six months after it's all yeah. over. It's too late then, isn't it? Things have returned to normal then. Yeah, and I think we've we've started to do that as an executive team and as a senior leadership team. Um, and and we've even joked about things like, can you really see us going to London again in a dress and a suit? You know, because it's it, it, just some of these real sort of cultural changes that, yeah. it, and, and that's a bit of a historic culture at NHSBT that, you know, we arrive in a suit and we said, why have yeah. we always done that? So we why just have we done some that? Real, yeah. real, what seemed basic, but I think in terms of engagement, we've just, there's a different level of engagement and and interaction with people in the organization which i think is something yeah. we've we've strived for but it's it's just been even seeing people's children in the Do you know i think that's so true there's something about that kind of humanizing of leaders isn't there you yeah. know you see them with their cat walking across you know past the screen or the yeah. kid on their knee or yeah. you know I, I was doing a, a um, virtual call with a, a client yesterday and and uh, their child sort of ran into shot and and he sort of motioned to get them away and i said no this is fine this is yeah. you, you know this is this is us our human best yeah. and actually yeah. this is not something we should be hiding away or be ashamed of this is this is who we are and I think yeah. actually our our employees our staff like that they like to yeah. see us yeah, on yeah a human absolutely level. so just let's cast our mind back because um obviously you know this is a, a podcast that's being recorded in the middle of the crisis but but there will be a time after the crisis has passed and it would be great mm. if there was some some stuff in here about the work that you were starting to do within your organization around changing HR? Because I know that you've always been mm. interested as a team, you know, what's, what could we be doing differently? And um, in what is quite a traditional area, um, um, traditional sector, but what were the things that you had on the go before the crisis hit? What were the things that you were working on? So the, the things, um, I was giving this some thought and the things that really struck me was as an organization we employ a whole range of different professions and the thing that struck me was around this concept of product design as opposed to service delivery yeah and as an organization we've always gone for let's provide this really great service customer first service you know this is what we're going to do and when I started thinking about we have a driver that will be out all day delivering blood and taking it to hospitals and then we'll have a specialist nurse embedded in an acute trust who's dealing in an ITU unit you just know that the way they interact with the organization is going to be totally different. So number yeah. one priority for me was about how do we make our, the design of our people service more bespoke. Um, yes. So there's then, consumerization, customization. That yeah. Place. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'd, we'd started and it, it's difficult. We'd started a conversation in the, in the team about what does that look like and people were just starting to sort of sit that in their mind and thinking you know what? that's a really different way of us thinking about this we hadn't thought about this in this way so we'd started that conversation and interestingly one of the things that I also uh, I sound like I'm textbook 
<laughs> but one of the other things I'd really thought about was to do that well was this concept of marketing. We never market yeah. ourselves very well. So um, I had an opportunity where one of our marketing regional leads was on a leadership program. And this goes to this point of you're just utilising people's skills. I mean, energy, yeah. motivation, marketing background. And he is someone who I've brought in to the team who's worked on all these new people that are joining us and develop welcome bags and he goes out and networks with people and and I just thought we need more of this and I need I need more so the other thing we talked to the team about was you know more bespoke services more of a marketing view of how we liaise with our our customers you know how we and it's how not we that it's interact. not that providing a service is a bad thing it's yeah. just that if we're thinking about service we leap to you know um streamline processes one size fits mm. all cost effective whereas when we think about products we think about is it the end user we think about how we're marketing that product to them it's interesting yeah. we're seeing lots more marketing people coming into hr because yeah. why wouldn't we you know why wouldn't yeah. we they're natural allies for us yeah absolutely and so that's worked well and I think the other thing was the concept of personas so I hadn't thought yeah. about that before and so because that was I said you know Richard personas he said oh I know all about that I said right <laughs> Richard your marketing guy yeah 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 because he'll have used them with consumer yeah consumer marketing yeah, so he started working on that, and we we um, have been really looking at how we increase our inclusivity. So we just picked diversity, and and then the other part that I think was missing for us was data analysts. Yeah. So I bought a data analyst in as well, and again, that's just given us a completely different view. And you, we all just sat back from this first half an hour session and said, "Oh, we've been getting this so wrong. <laughs> we've been looking at the wrong things." So I suppose the the frustration for me is we were just sort of just at that part of looking at what this could do for us. And then obviously that would mean looking at my, I'd talk to my team about how we might want to refocus where we put effort as a directorate, because I think we're going to need more of some skill and less of others. Yeah, yeah. So that we would, we'd started that conversation, I think. But, But I suppose the recent few weeks that we've been living through, the other bit for me is, and, and again, it sounds like an obvious, but we've brought teams together across the directorate to deal with some of these real challenges in a matter of weeks by skill. We said, you know what, that we know that person has got that skill or we know that person has got that skill for detail that we're going to need over here. And that person there would sit, would work really well with this individual. So we've just brought teams together really quickly who would not work with each other probably. And again, reflecting on that in the last week I've been thinking do you know we all too often we're thinking about roles and this role does this role and this role does that role and I'm almost thinking actually I need to take a step back before I did anything with our our team and think actually what what skill do I need and how much skill of this and that do I need and and actually let's start from the blank sheet of paper again and that crosses departmental boundaries it can sometimes trample over people's egos a bit uh, because ultimately what you want is the very best person for that particular job at that particular time and and you say you're going to create agile teams and then they'll move away again and that's so much more energizing and that's how you get stuff done yeah 
And the lesson for me is I get too excited and love to get involved. I can't get involved in everything that's going on at the moment. So again, there's been that little bit of anxiety in me thinking, I've just got to let it run because there's no way I can I can be involved in this. And I, yeah. I try to say it's not because I'm checking. It's more that I just think, oh, it's so exciting. Let me get involved. And yeah, thinking, I yeah. can't do that now. And, you know, and it's just been delivered. And I've I just just gone in with those various points to just assure myself that, you know, we're all on track. That's fantastic. Look, I'm going to let you go because I know that you have um, probably another 10 hours of Zoom (laughs) calls to do for the rest of the day. But it's been an absolute pleasure to see you. And um, thank you you so much from, you know, uh, someone who relies on all the amazing work that the NHS does. Just thank you so much. And please thank thank all your team because you are just doing an incredible job. And I shall think of you, it's Thursday today, so I shall think of you at eight o'clock when we're we're outside clapping for the NHS. I shall (laughs) have you in my mind. Bless you for doing this. I shouldn't tell you what my daughter said. What? (laughs) Who, um, when I came back with something free from a supermarket that they'd given me in the NHS hour, and she said, but mum, you work in the office. (laughs) I said, Connie, I am saving and improving lives every day, don't you know? (laughs) You are indeed. It's so lovely to see you. Thanks for making the time. Thank you. I'm glad you're See you soon. Bye. Thanks for listening to this podcast. For more resources to help you change HR, check out the Disruptive HR Club at www.disruptivehr.club.